We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com live post-game show. The Lakers, well, they were clawed by the Toronto Raptors tonight, particularly that first quarter. They only put up 12 points in the first quarter, leading to a 21-point deficit that they could just never quite climb back from. They tried in the fourth quarter. Couldn't get there. Call it a fake comeback if you want, but that first quarter really stopped the Lakers from having a shot in this one. So, welcome in everybody from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook. We're going to get through this thing together. We'll talk it all out. If you're joining us during our live stream where we showed the game, you got to come in and join us. We did our play-by-play. You already got to commiserate a little bit with us, but everybody else coming in, we'll get to talk about this whole thing and break down what happened and what comes next. And maybe, I have a feeling we'll have some questions about the offseason as well, because when games like this, your mind tends to wander to July. Joining me is Sean Davis. Sean, this was this was not a good night, and it got off to a terrible start after the Lakers had a rough night last night against the Suns to come out as flat as they did against the Raptors. It, it really just it knocked them out of the game in the first quarter. That's that's tough. That's a tough way to bounce back from a really bad loss to a Phoenix Suns team. Yeah, and um, thanks for having me on as always, Trevor. Just start there, start on a positive note. Um, all credit in the world to the Raptors. Um, I said it coming into the game. They're a really well-coached team. They came in with a great game plan. Um, how they guarded LeBron, I thought, in that first half, really that first quarter, mm-hmm. was just so aggressive. Like, it was to a point, Trevor, where, like, they ran a few possessions of box and one on, the, on LeBron with, defensively, which was insane. Um, I mean, good for them. But, I mean, I just want to think in a mid, in a regular, well, pun intended, but regular, regular season game, they're playing box one on LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their switchiness and how long and lengthy they are on their wings. Like Fred Van Vliet is their smallest guard, smallest player on the floor. Out of their starters, he's what, 6'3? Like Gary Trent Jr., 6'5. Then it's Scotty Barnes, uh, Pascal Siakam, and whoever you want is your big. So credit to them. Um, they had a great game plan. And yeah, this was tough. This was tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. This was tough. Yeah, it was, um, again, 
if you looked at the starting lineups, you could see the Raptors had a size advantage across most positions, and they they exploited that to their credit. The Raptors did exactly what they needed to do in the first quarter. It took Frank Vogel a little bit to adjust. He did adjust, though, even within the quarter to eventually get a lineup out there that could contend with some of the big wings that the Raptors have, but by then the damage had already been done. We've already got a lot of people that aren't too happy with what's going on here. A lot of people in the chat that are not pleased, and rightfully so, and rightfully so. Uh, after seeing a game like that, particularly after coming off of a game like the one we saw against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, got a super chat here from Timothy Lovas, who said, I feel like every good THT performance we lose. THT was was not bad. He was uh, at least an offensive weapon for the Lakers in this one. Finishes 8 of 13, 3 of 5 from deep. You'll take that from him. Five boards, five assists, two steals, one block, 20 points. And yet the Lakers lost. You know, it almost felt like because the Lakers were down, THT played a little bit freer because, hey, if you mess up, well, you're down big already anyway. You have to take some chances. And more often than not, the chances that THT took, particularly in the second half, paid off. Absolutely. And uh, I, I, I thought THT had a good – I thought he had a fine game. Um, obviously, he was the scoring option. His ability to finish near the basket. Um, I, I can't shake him pulling up from 38 feet. Uh, like with 20 okay. seconds on the shot clock, I rough. can't, I can't get that out of my head. But uh, I, I thought he had a good game, and if, I, I'm not sure, Trevor, where you are. I don't know if we're doing awards. If we are doing awards, he probably will be the next man up. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he had a solid game. Yes, chat obviously. R.I.P. Scott Hall, A.K.A. Razor Remote. So uh, yeah, 100%. thanks for people throwing that out. But yeah, THT, he had a solid game offensively at least, and uh, yeah. THT is, I think, definitely the next man up in this one. Uh, just to run through some of the stats here. LeBron finishes with 30 points, 9 boards, 3 assists, 2 blocks. We'll see if LeBron's able to maintain the scoring lead on the season, if he's able to win the scoring title at 37 years old. 30 points tonight. That's solid. Russell Westbrook, 14 points, 8 boards, 4 assists, 1 steal. Uh, 4 for 10 shooting. Russ was, Russ was okay in this game, in general. It wasn't his worst performance, wasn't his best performance. It was okay. Uh, 14 for Carmelo Anthony, but three of 10 shooting. That's not yeah. efficient enough, but okay. We're talking about maybe one missed shot because almost all of his attempts were threes, three of nine from deep, uh, three boards, one assist, one steal, one block for him. Everybody else in single digits for the Lakers scoring wise. Let's talk a little Wendy and Gabriel though. One for eight shooting. Not great. Not great. One for eight shooting made some mistakes out there. Oh, for three from three, but nine boards did provide some energy. Kind of a mixed bag from him in a game where I felt like they needed a lot from him in this one. He didn't really come through, but we saw a few things where there's still some hope for the future for him. I think uh, my next breakdown is going to be on winning Gabriel. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed with the way he played this season. And l- l- let's just be real here, Trevor. The Lakers aren't competing for a championship. So since you're not really competing for a championship or like they're probably like that's a goal or whatever, but that's not really an attainable goal because, I mean, just we, we don't see. I mean, Trevor, unless I'm wrong, do you think the Lakers are going to compete for a title? No, I mean, I, I don't think at the beginning of the season we said yes, and that was the goal, yeah. of course. But the way things have come together, it, it doesn't look like a title is in there is in the cards here for, for this team. I think that's pretty fair to say. Right. So like with that being the case, I. You literally have nothing to lose by playing winning Gabriel. Nothing. Again, if you're like a top five seed in, in, in the 
if you're a top five seed in the West and you have legitimate title aspirations, I can kind of see why the coaching staff have been saying, guys, kind of young. We're not really sure about him or whatever. But like, like I've said, literally since his first game as a Laker, you need guys that will just sell out for however long they're on the court. And again, tonight, winning Gabriel played 19 minutes, he probably had the most he most used minutes. So I mean, like he well, I don't know how to word it, but when he was on the floor, he used every single ounce of his being for those 19 minutes. And his defensive effort on the glass, like he was at times in this game, the only guy that was really battling. Mm-hmm. Um, now they were kind of letting him shoot a little bit. He missed a couple of games at the basket as well, but the minus five doesn't do him justice. Um, he he's he was so good tonight for the Lakers, and uh, yeah, it just he's another player like Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson, where their impact just won't show up in the stat sheet. But he was really good for the Lakers tonight. So, Lords of the Sky with the Super Chat said, I just couldn't believe when I checked the score at work, it was 30-6. to I thought my phone was broke. Great job on the stream again. Loving it. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the on the stream during the game. That was a lot of fun. But, yeah, that was that was certainly a moment when, when the score is 30-6 to and you're looking at this game, you think, oh, my gosh, what is happening? And, again, when you think this Lakers team is going to have a big bounce back, like, hey, we just got our butts kicked by the Phoenix Suns. Let's get back. We're going to be extra angry at this next game, which, hey, the Suns, they lost their previous game to the Toronto Raptors. To the Raptors. So they came yep. out angry against the Lakers. The Lakers lose to the Suns. I didn't feel like they came out angry. I feel like they came out not focused. And we saw they were, what, 0 for 11, 0 for 12 from three at one point. They finished the quarter shooting 12% from the field. That's the the focus just wasn't there to start the game, and they dug themselves such a deep hole they couldn't dig out. And the real killer thing is Frank Vogel talked about a pregame. He talked about how aware the team is that they shoot themselves in the foot, they dig themselves these holes, they get tired of trying to battle out. He said it's starting to affect the team's psyche, their their mentality, their their approach to games, it's starting to really affect them. Getting in these these big holes, and they came right out and instantly did that again right after Vogel got done talking to the press about how they've discussed how this is a problem. That's not great. It's it's a rough look for this Lakers team, and at this point, I don't think we can be too confident that there's going to be a solution to that problem. I think we're going to continue to see them put themselves into a hole. And then constantly be trying to dig their way out. Fans have come to call it the fake comeback. I, I don't feel like that's going away anytime soon because they understand it's a problem, but it's not getting fixed. How much of this now really quickly again, I don't want to take away from the Raptors. They, they had a great game plan. They came out executed, which is a, is a big part of the reason why they won and I am why they had that insane 30 to six run to start the game. But how much of that do you think it's just the team is kind of like just completely tuned out Frank Vogel? How much do you think that is? I think, I don't even think it's necessarily tuning out Frank Vogel, which, I'm, by the way, I think that's part of it. I think that you've got some guys that are probably counting down the days. Like, hey, how yeah. many games we have left now? You know, and that's what we heard the other day. That's a, that some players in the, in the team are saying, hey, at least we only have a month left. And I can't blame them that much, right? I mean, this has been a disastrous season. At some point, you're looking ahead thinking, man, we don't have to do this every night in just a, a month. We can be done with this. You're going to start looking ahead to that. But as a professional, you have to find a way to compete night in and night out. Again, easier mm-hmm. said than done. But 
I think it's not just tuning out Frank Vogel. I think some of these guys have tuned out on the season. They're like, let's let's be done. Let's move on. Let's figure out what our summer plans are, what our next stop's going to be, and let's, let's go from there. Vacation to Cancun. And, and look, you know, Laker, you know, Lakers beaches. fans are the same way right now. Lakers fans are the same way. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at a calendar and thought, how long until July 1st? And I know a lot of fans are there too, right? People saying sim yeah. the rest of the season, get to the get to July already. They want this team gone. This team wants to be gone. That's it's understandable to for that for that to be there, but we're also seeing it affect their play on the floor. Going back to I think the original comment, I also want to thank uh not just that person, but everybody that tuned in to the stream. Um as always, third game. Even though we lost tonight, it was still really, really fun. And again, Trevor, it's really fun doing it with you. It's really fun having you guys in there with us. So I encourage you guys to watch the pregame show with Trevor so you guys can uh, hop in with us because it was fun as always. That's right. When we do those pregame live streams, I put out the link so that you can come watch the game directly with us. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've got to see why not said, I don't understand how the Clippers can get guys like Amir Coffey and Terrence Mann, young, good wings, and we can't. It's incredible. You know, I think the Lakers didn't prioritize wings quite enough this offseason um we we've been saying that and I, I felt like they didn't prioritize wings enough for the last couple of seasons frankly but yes it, it's it's all the more frustrating when you look across the hall and the other guys are finding ways to land players that fit mm -hmm. and can give you the things that that your team is lacking i mean look it's even frustrating when you see the clippers get norman powell and robert covington just land in their laps all because steve bomber was willing to pay up and then we saw the Lakers not be willing to pay and lose a fan favorite and really good defender in Alex Caruso. I understand that, and it's tough. I All we can say is hopefully the Lakers will change their ways this offseason, come up with a... I think they need to emphasize different things than what they emphasized this past offseason. They need to change their strategy. They need to change the way that they're looking at players. And they didn't do... The things they did this season didn't prioritize the right things. Absolutely. And you've talked about this in the past and just talking with people that have like been around the league and stuff like that. I think we're kind of underrating the relationship between and how connected ownership, the front office and the coaching staff they, and even the players like they all have to be really connected. And the only time we've really seen that so far in LeBron's tenure as a Laker was the championship year mm -hmm. where, OK, you go get this defensive minded coach or to get a bunch of guys that can play defense and shoot. We got AD too. Everybody is connected, right? And like one when I saw this one guy, he, he had a great example. They didn't win a championship, but the Rockets, right? Mm -hmm. When when Harden was there and the prime, like D'Antoni and all that. And after they like they were going full small ball, uh, Harden and ISO everything. Okay, ownership, the uh, Daryl Morey, Mike D'Antoni, Harden. They were all in the rest of the roster. They were all tied in on this vision. They were all connected. They didn't win the championship. But they were perennial conference finals contenders, especially in in D'Antoni's run in Houston. And with the Clippers, the Clippers are kind of like that as well. Ballmer, the front office, uh, Ty Lue, the, the superstars that they have in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they're all tied and they're all connected. And it's not a secret why you can make a legitimate argument that the Clippers going into next season, there's a couple other teams you could throw out there, but there's a reason why the Clippers might be the favorites going into next season as of right now. If healthy, look, I mean, they've 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 made yeah. they've made some really strong, solid strides. There's no question there. Love Lamar. Honestly, get Vogel out. Defensive focused lineups aren't working. Wayne Ellington plus twenty one with that stat line. 
put as much shooting as possible around LeBron. So basically Frank Vogel right now is in a situation where he's got to play whack-a-mole. If he puts out lineups that can provide shooting, you're going to get burned defensively. If you try to put in your defensive lineups, you don't have shooting. The, when we said this in the offseason, the challenge for the Lakers was going to be trying to find a balance between defense and shooting because guys who can defend and shoot cost a lot. They only had veteran minimums yeah. to spend because in part of the, the Russell Westbrook trade. So because you only have veteran minimums, that means you're not going to find guys who can defend and shoot. You're going to find guys who can defend or can shoot. One of those things, not both. And so the Lakers are left with trying to piece things together and figure out some way to have enough defense while still having enough shooting down floor spacing. And more often than not, they're lacking one or the other or both. And it just has not worked. It just has not worked. And again, you don't have enough guys who can do more than one thing on the floor. There's just not enough versatility on this roster. So I've, I've seen a lot of Lakers fans have this kind of argument. I think I'm seeing it get tossed around a little bit in the chat right now. What do you think has been more of a problem? The lack of shooting sometimes in the offense stagnation or the defense, uh, which is more effort. But what, what do you think has been the bigger problem out of the two? I mean, if I'm going to chime in with that, I think that the bigger problem has been defense because I've seen this team have problems with effort um, this season. And I think defense is more closely tied to effort than three-point shooting is. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what I would go with. But again... It's all been a problem. It's all been a problem. There's been a lot of problems throughout the season yeah. for, for this Lakers team. Um, I did see a few people asking about that LeBron play, and we talked about this on the live stream, Sean. When mm -hmm. LeBron got frustrated not getting that rebound and then the Raptors got the offensive board, Is that how do we think about that? Is that a problem that LeBron is outwardly showing his frustration? No, I think it depends on what he was upset about. It's so like in the moment... I think I respond like LeBron, that's kind of your fault. Um, I, I kind of hope somebody, whether it's from our Lakers nation staff or somebody else, like they just ask him in the post game remarks to see what he was upset about. Cause if he was upset about like in himself or whatever, Oh, go ahead, do whatever you want. If he was upset at a teammate or he was upset, just like frustrated that the Raptors kept doing X, Y, Z, then I'm like, uh, okay. And I, I, LeBron, you're that's on you too. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends on um, on what he was actually upset about. So I'm not going to really put words in his mouth. But um, if he was mad at himself, I like the frustration. I, I like him like showing some emotion. Um, that's not him like being upset with the refs. I think the I think the whole the whole team is frustrated. The organization is frustrated. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. only natural to show some of that. Now you can say, well, he needs to be a leader. He needs to set an example. He can't be frustrated with teammates or, or whatever. That's fine. But this has been, look how frustrated Lakers fans have been this season. I've had so many fans who have said, this is the worst season ever. Or, this is our most disliked Lakers team ever. And I don't disagree. I agree with you 100%. I think, I think this is worse than what we saw in 2012 and 2013. That's how rough the yeah. season has been. Fans though, are not the only ones feeling that way. The players are frustrated with what's happened. The front office is frustrated. The coaches are frustrated. There's plenty of frustration to go around, for sure. Really quickly, to go back to your defense point, I think I might have even shared this stat to you, but shout out to Synergy Sports Technology. I get my film from them. Uh, to benefit your defensive point, the Lakers are the worst pick-and-roll roll-man defense, meaning where the play somehow ends up in, in the guy's hands that set the screen, whether it's pick-and-pop or pick-and-roll. Uh, they're dead last in that. 
and they are actually eighth in pick and roll ball handler defense where the play, like the guard or the person handling the ball, he ends up, he finishes the play. So I kind of have my theories on why they're so bad at the romance stuff, but that kind of benefits your point, I guess. Like, man, like that, that's bad. Dead last at that. that that's embarrassing. That's, that's definitely not good, especially for a defense first coach like Frank Vogel. Um, as far as I've got people complaining about small ball and things like that, keep in mind with this game, the Lakers didn't have a choice. Dwight Howard was not available for personal reasons. Um, family emergency is what we've heard. That's mm-hmm. so there, it wasn't even, oh, Frank Vogel's not putting Dwight in. Dwight was not there to be on the court with the team. So he didn't really have a choice. Although I will say it took him a little while to match up in the first quarter the way that he needed to. But still, their their only choice was small ball. They still, I thought they went too small at times. But that's that's it. He didn't. He doesn't have another big on the roster to turn to. I'm not gonna go too too much into the small ball, big ball, whatever you want to call it, lineups or whatever. Because I think we're gonna talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But um, it doesn't matter if you go small or you go big. Like again, my thing is. It's more about effort and just boxing out. Because, again, okay, here's and here's all I'm going to say. If the Lakers were significantly better, and I'll do a deep dive into film and advance analytics tonight before I go to sleep, mm-hmm. but if the Lakers are significantly better at rebounding and at protecting the paint with a big on the floor, then, yeah, go big. But first off, I already know the rebounding thing isn't true because they're still in the bottom 10 when Dwight or AD is the 5. Or, or DeAndre Jordan technically want to count him, right? And that is more boxing up. So, like, my thing is, if you're going to be bottom 10 in rebounding with a big or with a, a true big or going small, you might as well go small because then you have a little bit more versatility defensively. You can stretch the floor a little bit more. You can't really switch on Dwight or DeAndre. And the point is to pay thing off the check, but if you are not rebounding anyway, which is typically the biggest frustration with fans because, like, oh, hey – uh, we have the 6'11", uh, pretty much 7-foot dude on the floor. Use mm-hmm. them. There's cases where you can use them, and he can play 15, 20 minutes for you. But it's not like it's not some glaring thing where he is obviously a starter for the Lakers. No, because you're not even rebounding with him on the floor. So let's get into um, some of this other stuff. Oh, looked like we, we got disconnected for just a moment there. But we should be back up and running at this point. Um, this is Chauncey said, this is the most frustrated I've seen LeBron this season. And now I'm just hearing from Ryan Ward and from Daniel Starkand, who are covering the, the post game that LeBron James, the Lakers announced LeBron James is not talking after this game. LeBron Ryan's response. LeBron is really good at, at dealing with media. He's done it since he was a teenager. He's done it for a long time. When he doesn't talk, that says a lot. Because LeBron is asked to speak after every single game. He's LeBron. Him not talking says a lot about how he's feeling right now and how frustrated he actually is. I can only recall, this is the second time, only the second time this year, I think, Mm -hmm. this season, LeBron's not talked to the media. The only other time was after the Portland game going into the All-Star break. I mean, going into the deadline, my bad. Or was it the Milwaukee game? Because I know they had the back-to-back or whatever. But point is, like, LeBron very rarely just avoids 
the media. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever he does do it, you know, it's 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 something noteworthy. I'm not going to look too, too much into it because, I mean, if I'm LeBron, I'd be upset too. Yeah. But definitely interesting. Uh, Dan the Man said, it's pretty certain with the Super Chat, but why not say none is out for the season? The trade deadline has passed. What could be the reason? So I think they, they really believe that he's going to have an opportunity to play. Um, it's been a bone ruse. He's been out all season. They said end of March. I think if there's any chance that he can get on the floor, they're going to hang on to that. Internally, maybe they are approaching it as, hey, it's unlikely he plays, but they just want to leave that little bit of possibility out there. Again, so I, I talked about this a little bit on our on our game stream. What's happening uh, over on playback with Kendrick Nunn is so far, the Lakers have tried multiple times this season to ramp him back up in order to return him to the, to the floor. So increasing the exercise, the workouts that he's doing. And every time they've done that, his knee has started hurting again and in conjunction with ramping up his, his work. And so then they have to take a step back, let him recover all of that. And then, okay, we try again and they keep doing that. And every single time they try to ramp it back up, he gets pain again. This is it. This is last shot. Mm -hmm. If he gets pain again and has another setback, then he's done. Um, But we have not heard that yet. We haven't heard exactly how it's gone, how the ramp up is gone. If it's going well, Maybe he plays in a couple weeks, but I'm not holding my breath at this point. I'm assuming he's out for the season. And if he's not, then great. It'll be a pleasant surprise, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not at this point holding my breath and hoping that we see him at the end of March. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to go with the same approach you've said, or you've had rather with Kendrick Nunn. It's one more setback and he's not playing this year. Um, Obviously again, you kind of want, you would like to see him play just kind of to see, some of the lot potential lives Frank Vogel could have thrown out there. Um, I'm not expecting him to play this season. And even from like a financial standpoint, you already have next year secured. You don't really have much to prove at this point because you already have that player option for next season um, locked up. Like if you were, if it was, if that was a team option or if you were an expiring deal, maybe you kind of, kind of come back, try to prove something. But your contract is locked for next season. I'm not rushing back from Kendrick Nunn. NGM said, I am starting to develop this Stockholm syndrome type thing where I'm actually starting to enjoy watching the Lakers get beat down. I'm not there. I don't enjoy watching them lose games. That's for sure. Maybe I've become a little bit more numb to it as the season has gone on. If anything, that's what it is. But it's, I certainly would not say enjoy. Yeah. Numb is definitely a better way to describe it. I I definitely don't enjoy it when the Lakers lose. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Let's see what else we've got coming in here. Tony said Lakers, unlike Clippers, are disconnected. The Lakers' brain trust is a failure. I think it's concerning mm-hmm. having too many voices in Jeannie Buss's ear. Lakers are in danger yep. of having 10 years of pain. So, Tony, I, I agree with you on this. Um, as far as having too many voices and all that, maybe. But we don't know, right? I mean, when we look at this, we hear Phil Jackson's involved, the Rambi, the Curtin Linda Rambis, Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson, right? All these, all these different people are involved. I don't know what the decision-making process is, though. Is it Jeannie talks to Rob, and then she has to go talk to Magic, and then she has to talk to Phil, and then she has to talk to Linda Rambis, and then she has to talk to Kurt Rambis, and everybody has to have their say? Or is it Jeannie and Rob work on something every once in a while, once a month or something, she calls up Magic and says, hey, what, what are you seeing right now? What do you think? That is a very different system than, than the, the first one is. I don't know how many people have a, a steady everyday voice in the decision-making process. They keep that stuff behind closed doors. However, in terms of 10 years being at stake here, you're right. You're right. And that's why I've been saying this is going to be, I say it every year, but this is going to be the most important offseason that we've seen in quite a while. And again, every offseason feels that way, but this especially so, because things are so perilous. They're teetering on the edge. And if you go and you trade the 2027 and 2029 first round picks and whatever you do, whether it's to move Ross or bring somebody, whatever it is, if it does not work, we could be talking about a really extended rough stretch for the Los Angeles Lakers. You've got to be careful with what you do and you've got to make sure that it works. Yeah. I think that's been our, our, our takeaway from it. And the biggest offseason is the next one, right? Because you, you never know of uh, a signing, whether it be Luol Deng. <laughs> you know, we're finally getting rid of that one this season. But uh, things can really can set your franchise forward and put you in a positive direction for the next five to ten years. Or, like, if they botch the Russell Westbrook trade or however they decide to offload him in the offseason, if they botch that, you're really setting your franchise back at least five years, probably. Maybe not five years, but like the good next three to five seasons, especially post LeBron, you're really setting your franchise back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back to the clip to the original point about the Clippers, yeah, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, man. Like the Clippers, there doesn't seem to be like anything off, right? It seems like they, they can all, it's almost like you, you know, like those little jokes where like, like if we're talking, we finish each other's senses. That's probably what happens in a Clippers meeting, right? They're all so locked in on the same page that, like, Ty Luke has started a sentence, and Steve Ballmer, he finishes it. Like, so he, he it doesn't seem it. like there's... He yells it. He yells it. He yells it. Yeah, he's yelling the sentence, um, the end of it. So I, I agree. I agree with, with both statements. So the Lakers, this offseason, there's, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work yes. to do. And I've got a question here. Nine to five says, can we get another superstar to pair with LeBron and AD? Maybe. But I don't know that that's the point here. I think the problem, right? And this has been the fall from grace for the Lakers this season has been spectacular in terms of just the, the enormity of it. To take last season's team, which frankly was injuries away from a championship, right? I mean, Anthony Davis just said it. Just said it yesterday that they would have beat the Suns in round one had he not got hurt. And I don't think he's wrong. I think he's right. Um, To go from that and to destroy it by your own choice 
That's that's what makes this hurt even worse. This is all self-inflicted. The Lakers did this to themselves. This is not, oh, father time caught up. This is not, oh, they went and traded for a guy and then the guy had a freakish injury and everything fell to pieces because of that. They made these choices on purpose. And I think a big part of this, and I talked about this on a video about a week ago, big yep. part of the problem is they undervalued the importance of quality role players. And they thought that role players are something that just grows on trees. You can go get them whenever. You can cycle those guys in and out as much as you want. As long as you have the stars, that's all that matters. And this season has proved that's not the case. You have to have the right role players. And they had them. They had them. And they didn't value them enough. There's an old 80s song, which Sean obviously won't know. But it goes something <laughs> like, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Oh, come on. <laughs> and... And I think I'm hoping that if anything, now the Lakers front office, this next off season, they don't get their hearts so set so much on finding that next star to put with LeBron and AD. And instead they find once again, the right pieces to put with LeBron and AD. But how painful is that going to be to undo the damage that was done? It's going to cost some way, either in future flexibility, future picks, maybe both. There's going to be a price to pay for the problems they had this last offseason. Absolutely. And there's just a couple of things I want to kind of add on to. So first, to start off with the AD thing, because I don't think I've been able to uh, talk about it here with you guys. As we talked about it on the show, on the stream last night, my bad. Um, yeah, AD, is he right? Probably. I think if Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt, I think the Lakers win that series. And who knows how far they go with a healthy, semi-healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But who knows how far they go. Um, I think he's right. I don't think he had to say it. <laughs> Not right, because you're also going to probably face this team in the first round if you make it that far. Um, but then also, going on to the Russell Westbrook thing and finding a potential trade and potentially having another star next season, like you mentioned, I'm glad you brought up the video because I was going to reference it, but you already did it for me. Um, the Lakers got away from it, and I don't understand why and the need – to have to, oh, we have to go get a third star. Because regardless, the whole point of getting Russell Westbrook was for, okay, when LeBron's off the floor or this happens, or maybe just like help alleviate the pressure off LeBron. LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands anyway. So like trading for Russell Westbrook mm -hmm. and offloading Kuz to do it, KCP, Montrez Harrell, letting Alex Caruso walk for cap reasons and money. None of that made sense. Um, and then if you go all the way back to the championship roster, JaVale McGee walks. I don't think you could have really afford him anyway. Uh, JaVale McGee walks. Mm -hmm. What else am I missing? I'm missing something. Danny Green. You trade him. Yeah. But guess what? If you don't trade Danny Green, we get Desmond Bain. <laughs> Yay. I keep reminding me of that. You could have had Danny Green and Desmond Bain. Yes, but at the time, the <laughs> trade made sense. Most people were crediting the Lakers for making that move and getting yeah. Schroeder. Looking back now, it hasn't worked out. Um Mama mentality said in all caps, Trevor's hanging around with Matt too much because I, I, it was a quasi relationship style <laughs> joke there. Where right. And then Trevor had to say, I didn't like, come on, Trev. I, uh, like that was a reference of you guys, like, if you guys didn't join, uh, we had a whole, this is how depressing that first half or so of the game was at halftime. We had a whole like five minute part of the show where people just try to guess my, my age. And so Trevor just had to add fuel to the fire a little bit. So Russell Westbrook, this is coming in from our own Ryan Ward, just tweeted out that Russell Westbrook's presser lasted a minute and 30 seconds. 
Just the that, last one only lasted two minutes, right? Yeah, I mean that may not, may not sound. I mean that should sound short, no matter what. Most pressers are somewhere in the ten ish minute range, like seven to ten minutes, right in there. Sometimes a little bit longer depends. A minute and thirty seconds is he really did not want to talk. That's that's what that tells you. Avi B yeah. said at the start, announcers yell, "Are you ready?" I think no. So when Bruce Buffer <laughs> gets on the mic, you say, "No, thank you, Bruce." Uh, Mauricio Villarroel said, man, oh man, this is brutal. That LeBron's frustration summarizes it all. There's no excuses to not match LeBron's energy and effort. If only we could do that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Wait. there's LeBron himself has had energy and effort issues at certain times, but again, he's 37. He's been carrying this team for much of the season. I think there's a reason why we've seen that sometimes. Is it frustrating sometimes when he stays behind the play? Absolutely. Unfortunately, this team very much follows LeBron. If LeBron's low energy, the team's low energy and vice versa. So that's a problem, but no no denying it. It's been brutal. It's definitely been brutal. And that's why you need like just a second guy. And I keep talking about it. That's why losing Jared Dudley was so huge. Um, just mm-hmm. as a locker room guy. Because respectfully, there's nobody on this team. Absolutely nobody that's going to call. Like you don't have a Udonis Haslam. Anymore, Jared Dudley was your Adonis Haslam, who who's just a respected vet. Probably mm-hmm. won't play much, but you know we'll just casually throw a chair in the huddle every now and then to like tell your like get your stars' attention. And those players are also more than likely the only guys on the team outside of the stars that can kind of call the stars out. Mm-hmm. And because now like and that's why I think part of the reason why is that why LeBron the team is so reliant on LeBron's energy and and effort. Like if he's bringing it, okay, if LeBron's bringing it. I'll type a few games. You're probably going to win, right? But if he's not, that's why it's so rare for the Lakers to win games this season, unless, win games this season unless LeBron's bringing it. Yeah, I mean, it takes LeBron having a really, really exceptional game in order for them to get wins right now. Uh, Lakers are in trouble. YP Hustle uh, said, Lakers are in trouble. We could end up going another five-game losing streak with no Kendrick Nunn update, and the Lakers just keep getting embarrassed. I like it's not fun, and yes, they they are in trouble. They understand yeah. that. They know, they know that things are not good. Things are not good right now, and and we'll see. They they have a they have the most difficult schedule down the stretch of any team. They squandered the early schedule that the NBA gave to them, full of just easy matchups, and they took too many nights off where they just said, "No, we're not going to compete tonight. We're going to wait for the other team to beat themselves," and that didn't happen. And they're paying the price for it right now. We said it at the beginning of the season that these losses to teams that they should not lose to will come back to haunt them. And now is when you're really starting to hurt from not putting those wins, just taking those wins, saying thank you, stacking it on on your record, and then having that to buffer the tougher stretches of the season. Well, here we are now, and it makes it, uh, makes it that much more painful. Uh, so, Trevor, uh, apparently the chat's saying, like, Golden State, not Golden State, San Antonio, mm-hmm. they're – like really climbing on the Lakers now. The Lakers, I think, are only one game up on the ten seed now. Um, but you have one; they have a one game lead for the ten seed for the nine seed. So Pelicans are only one game back. The Blazers are only two and a half back of nine, mm-hmm. and the Spurs are only three and a half back yeah. of nine. So but and the Lakers are going through a brutal stretch right the, now. The Spurs have lost their last two, and the Blazers lost tonight. Which helps. So, yeah, I'm. Look, they are creeping a little bit closer. If they go on a win streak, okay. But, like, the Lakers are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. 
The Blazers are three and seven. The Spurs are three and seven. I, this the Pelicans are five and five. The Pelicans are the the bigger threat here, but but I mean either way, it's not good. It's not good. That's yeah. for sure. It's not good. All right, let's see what else we've got here. I've got. Oh no. Oh no. Somebody said. I am numb to the losses, but each loss is also, or I'm not numb to the losses. Each loss is a knife to my soul. Oh, that's deep. Uh, I am dolo. That's deep. That hurts. That hurts. Uh, Benjamin said, probably already talked about, but watching LeBron get mad at the team was cathartic. I liked seeing it, to be honest. Want to see more of it. Well, you don't get that out of Frank Vogel, right? You don't get, Frank Vogel's not that fiery coach that's going to go exactly. screaming and all that. So, you see that a little bit from LeBron. Here's the, and the reason why you like seeing that on one side, on, on one hand, okay, LeBron should be the leader. He should be encouraging everybody, picking them up. All right, whatever. That that may be true. On the other hand, though, you want to see some kind of emotion because there is the perception that sometimes when you watch this team play, you just go, these guys don't care. These guys don't yeah. care. Look, this doesn't look like this matters to them. When you see LeBron getting that upset, you go, this does matter. This does matter. There and as a go. fan, yep. as a fan, you're watching and you're saying, okay, feel, I can make that connection. They feel the way I feel. I'm frustrated. I can see they're frustrated too. And so in some ways that can make that a little bit easier because it just makes you even more frustrated when it looks like it isn't affecting them at all. And again, kind of going back to my Jared Dudley point, like again in Miami, Eric Spolstrup, He'll get a little bit more fiery, break Vogel, sure. But Eric Spolster isn't just like, just screaming and hollering and huddles. That's why Udonis Haslam was there. Like, Udonis Haslam was there to just get really angry uh, yeah. and show, show that heart, show that emotion. So, yeah. But but this team is not a Jared Dudley away from, I mean, it would it would help no, to have no. that, that better it would presence, help. But, you know, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah. Scott, By the way, Trev, yeah, the, go ahead. the Lakers have not been above 500 since uh, January 7th. Honestly, I would have guessed longer. I would have guessed longer. That was also our last time we went on a two-game win streak, mm. two-plus games or more. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, Scott Moore, here's a poem for team identity. We try to play small. We don't move the ball. Shoot threes that don't fall. Play no defense at all. How did we not sign Biggs? How did we not sign Wings? I think that wings, wasn't the part. Yeah. It, does a, it doesn't really rhyme, I guess. But, I mean, again, I'm not talking about the small ball thing because I think we'll talk about it tomorrow. But I, I just think it's funny that, there's the, that that's the point we're at. That's, we're, that's we're writing yeah, Lakers that's, poetry here. That's, poetry. That's, that's where we're at at this point in the season. We're so frustrated that we're looking for any kind of outlet and we're writing poetry about how poorly the Lakers season has gone. Silly, silly turnovers and all. Yep. LeBron falls his stays back in the backcourt. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Timothy Lovas. This was not one of them, but we had a lot of games on the schedule we could call easy wins. But at this point, we are the easy wins. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Lakers have kind of become a, a get-right team for some teams out there. And part of that is, I really think to, to some degree, we've seen kind of a you know, they're checked out on, on the season to some degree. Definitely. And, and now your next nine games mm -hmm. or sorry, next eight, seven out of your next eight games are all on the road. Uh, NGM 
what teams do you think will be actually tra willing to trade for Russell Westbrook this offseason and what will be the long-term consequences of the trade? So it's hard to predict which teams would be willing to. Obviously, off the top of your head, there's not a lot of teams that jump out as like, oh, that team is going to see what the Lakers are doing this season and say, yes, sign me up for that. So it's more contractual. What can you do in terms of the dollars and cents? And so most likely what you're going to try to find is either a team, you've got two options here in terms of a trade. You can find a team that will take Russ in exchange for draft compensation. Okay. Now, ideally you would get something back in that kind of a trade, because if you just trade away Russ, well, then you've got this year's team, but without Russ, are you any better? Probably not. You need to figure out a way to get something back. Um, and so that might mean significant draft capital has got to go out in order to get something back in exchange for Russell Westbrook. So that's, that's one thing you can do. The other thing you can do is you can find a team that's got some players that a team that's looking to change things up com completely, a team that says we're done with the squad as is and has long-term salaries on the books. So salaries that go past this coming summer. And you can say, Hey, look, we've got Russell Westbrook. He's 47 million, but he expires. Give us your guys that you don't really want that much with the contracts that go longer and maybe they'll be better fits than Russ for the Lakers. Maybe just by chopping up Russ's contract into a few guys with longer-term contracts, those contracts individually might be a little bit easier to move on from. That's the other path you can go, is try to absorb deals that go longer and sell Russ as $47 million expiring, and then you have whichever team you're trading him to. That team then has that much more spending power in the summer of 2023. Those are essentially your options if you're trading Russ if neither one of those things are palatable for other teams, then you start looking at the wave and stretch option, which has its own pain that comes with it. There is no pain-free way to do this. There's no, there's no team that's going to raise their hand and say, oh, we'll take him. It's going to cost you something, no matter what you do, in order to get rid of Russell Westbrook. I disagree, Trevor. I think, we, I think if you call up Washington, um, you know, you say, hey, we'll take who's... In KCP, I'm joking. Um, I, I think there's only like two offers, and both of these offers, as you mentioned a lot in the past, uh, hopefully you can revisit. There were rumored potential deadline deals. Uh, you you call up the Knicks mm -hmm. potentially. Um, I think the packs like Evan Fournier, Alec Burt, like you need some stuff to make the salaries work. You're gonna take on some uh, salaries that go beyond next season, which kind of conflicts with the Lakers' plan. Um, for the 2023 season, so after next season, that off season, because again, it will just be Anthony Davis and THT on your books, um, or you can revisit a trade that I know you were banging. Oh, oh never mind. You're you're good. Keep uh, going. I uh, thought I thought I had banging. something big here, but it, it wasn't. Oh, uh, I was about to say if the Chargers did anything, please let me know. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but I know you were banging the table for this trade, and I mean, now looking back, hindsight being 2020, if this deal was on the on the table, you kind of have to do it. Mm -hmm. The uh, Russell Westbrook and THT for John Wall and Christian Wood maybe throwing uh, some picks in there. Those are probably the two easiest deals that come to my head because there's just not a lot of teams where, and we talked about it last night in the, on the game, just how many teams are there that can realistically say, okay, Russ is not only better than our starting point guard, but... We don't have a young guy that Russ would we would be worried about Russ taking minutes away from. Mm -hmm. And New York is probably one of those teams. And uh, I say Houston just wants to get rid of John Wall and Christian was just a nice shiny toy to throw in there. So, um, 
Yeah, man, it's tough. It's not going to be an easy way, and I'm sure we're going to do plenty of videos breaking down Russell Westbrook options in the offseason. AVB, Trevor, remember the LBJ slash Alex Caruso led the two-man net rating. Yes, those were those were better days. I'm sad. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Are you trying to, like, <laughs> I know I'm young. Dang it, Trevor. <laughs> what? Is that another 80s reference? Is that an 80s reference? I feel like that's an 80s reference. Chat, help me out here. Help me out. Help me out here. Right. All right. Somebody said Beatles. Yeah, Beatles. Like, yes, it's the Beatles. Yeah. It's the Beatles. That's not the 80s. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's okay. It's okay, Sean. It's okay. We'll, we'll get you. <laughs> We're here for you. <laughs> SR37. Oh, So the starting lineup is undersized except at point guard, but get no advantage from speed because no one's moving. You can go small with wings like Wenyan and Adlank. That's why a few of his minutes look good. Yeah, part of it is just Wenyan is all over the place playing for his NBA career. And so that looks good compared to other players that are, that are not. Um Starting lineup being so undersized, that matters, but they're undersized, but they're not that fast. And so that, and part of it is the off ball stuff. Part of it is the lack of movement, but it's not like you've got a bunch of guys that are super quick, that are, that are small. You've just got guys that are small. Um, and so yeah. that's, that's a challenge, right? Um, Old and small. Yeah. And, and then you've got guys who are smaller, but aren't like Russ is not big, but he doesn't give you any floor spacing because he can't shoot. So you don't get like typically teams go small in order to get more skilled. The Lakers are going small and not getting more skilled because they don't have did, those guys. Did you and Matt last night? And I think I brought it up on the game tonight too. Like, was it Matt or it was a super chat to somebody was like, uh, has ever been a team that runs small ball where it's like mm -hmm. four out of the five guys can't yes. shoot. Right. <laughs> but yeah, going back to Gabriel, he just sells out. He, every minute, that he plays, he really gives everything he has. And he's, yeah, like you say, he's playing for his NBA career. TC said, our ship lasted longer than the Titanic. Hashtag bright side. All right. I suppose. Yeah, I guess that's a bright side. <laughs> Dave Lopez. Our, 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 yeah. Is this, is this how bad the season's been? Yeah. Dave Lopez, next Lakers coach should be like the Suns or the Cavs. Uh, as far as building and, out the roster in terms of scheme. Or like assistant from those. That's kind of, that's kind of an open-ended question. Sure. Or, or a statement more than anything. But Statement, yeah. Um, here's a question. Said, Trevor and Sean, would you guys be okay with shutting down Russ for the remainder of the season? Would that make the team better? Mm, I'm hesitant to say... I don't know. I'm kind of. I'm kind of torn. I mean, w w my my counter to that question, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit. Trevor is okay. Cool. You shut down. It's kind of similar to like if you bring Russ off the bench. Mm -hmm. 
Like, okay, you're doing that, but it's not like you have some young guard or whatever that you really want to see more and has a ton of potential that already is a game of significant minutes that can't play more because of Russ, right? That's my only, like, argument. Yeah. Like, that's my only, that's my only like, thing I, I have against it. If you, had, if you had a guard, like, for example, I know the Hawks, they have Sharif Cooper who's in the mm-hmm. G League. If we had Sharif Cooper, I'm saying, heck yes, Russ. I'm sorry, go home. We're going to play Sharif Cooper, see what this kid has, etc. The Lakers don't have that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see I don't see it. And we we've talked about this on previous shows, but I'm I'm of the mindset that in this type of situation, your best case scenario, if you're Rob Palenka, is that you're able to get some kind of late burst from Russell Westbrook. And then you can yeah. point to it and say, look, we're not desperate. Really, everybody trust me, I'm not desperate to trade him. Want to trade for him? <laughs> right? That because teams will, just like they did in the trade deadline, teams will try to take advantage of the Lakers' desperation. That's what we saw at the trade deadline. We're going to see it again this summer. Teams are going to make sure if the Lakers move Russell Westbrook, that is going to hurt. They're going to try to make sure that they get everything possible out of the Lakers 2027, 2029 first, everything they can. So if you can get a burst from Russ, it at least increases your bargaining position a little bit in the offseason. You don't get that if you send him home. If you send him home, and that probably develops an even bigger rift with Russ, and you probably yes. need Russ on your side because Russ doesn't want to be a Laker anymore. That's what we've heard, that the feeling is mutual to move on this offseason. You need Russ and his agent going around looking looking for trades and seeing what they can find, seeing what they can come up with that might work. Somebody commented, Russ is going to WrestleMania. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right. Let's get in. Let's do the master lock of the night. I feel like we need to. Tonight... There's no 360 or next man up. Whatever. Let's do the master lock of the night. Who is it that's getting put in Chris, the masterpiece masters finishing hold tonight, the master lock or what is it? That's being put in, in the master lock. So chat, let me know if you're coming in from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook, what should go into the master lock and Sean, give me, give me your answer as I'm reading through the chat's responses. Um, there, there's a lot of options. It can be shooting yourself in the foot like over and over and over again. Uh, you can go with some defense and effort. Um, but I'm going to go with something. I don't think I've said this all year. I'm going to go with the roster because okay. this is the first time. And again, the Lakers, Dave Masselak, Sean Davis. Nice. Um, do it. Do it, Trevor. Um, but this is the first time really all season. Obviously, we know the rosters has holes. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time, honestly, at least for a long while now this season, where you just saw the Raptors when they came out in that first quarter. Obviously, they had a great game plan, and credit to them. They're really well coached. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of great stuff on both ends of the floor. But literally, at every single position, they were bigger, stronger, faster. Masai Ujiri does a great job. Uh, did a great job building out the roster and how they've adjusted post Kawhi Leonard, post a lot of the, that championship team. Now uh, Kyle Lowry's gone as well. He's done a great job with the roster. And like this is this is a game where you're like, hey, Rob Palenka can uh, that you know do can you do that? Can you do a little bit of that? Um, now sure you might you can argue there's some flaws to that team. Like unless Scotty Barnes blows up as a superstar in a couple years what's truly the upside of that team outside of maybe a second round exit at best. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of relying on Scotty Barnes, but like, seriously, we can we were, we were just talking about it. like Fred Van Vliet, six, three, but everything else, uh, Gary Trenger, you're six, five, 
Scotty Barnes, Pascal, they're obviously really big and long and lengthy. And then pick whatever center you want, then both can really, really move. So I'm going to go with the roster because this is the first time we're like, it, it didn't matter for that first quarter who was on the floor. The Lakers could not move. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get by anybody. And the Raptors were just grabbing everything off the glass. From my master lock, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with fake comebacks. I'm gonna go with fake comebacks. We one. have so many that we've seen that they they dig themselves this hole. They fight, 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 fight. Try to battle their way back. We see it a few times in game where they say they yeah. make a seven or eight point run. They then instantly turn around and shoot themselves in the foot, dribble the ball off their foot sometimes, turn over, turn over, turn over. Next thing you know, it's right back, 8-0 run going the other way, and they're right back where they started. Do it again the next quarter, right? And then in the fourth, they'll make a push, get kind of close, and then, oh, no, miss a couple threes in a row at a critical juncture, bounce the ball off your knee, goes out of bounds, and next thing you know, the game's out of reach. So that can be maddening for for Lakers fans too, is just seeing that, oh, oh, wait, we thought this game was over. Wait, they might actually come back. Oh, no. They pulled. They that's, pulled a Hawkeye. They gave him hope. You can't do that. That's probably the reason why I was like so distraught coming in. Because if you guys were watching the stream with us, I'm fully like engaged in the game to the point where I'm like, okay, hey, we're down. We're down 14 here with six minutes left. Gotta get down like 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like I'm like shouting at the screen and shouting at Trevor. Poor Trevor's ears. Obviously, I'm not yelling at Trevor. I'm saying THT cut T or Stanley double or whatever. But uh. Yeah, man. Uh, obviously, the fake comebacks is, are very frustrating, very irritating. I'm more upset at myself for falling for it, honestly. That's fair. I know a lot of Lakers fans are feeling that way right now. All right, everybody. Let's wrap things up there. Appreciate you all joining us. Hopefully, you got to vent a little bit. Maybe feel slightly, slightly better after a tough night for the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, boy. This is certainly, it's certainly been a season, hasn't it? Next up, the Lakers take on the Wolves. They get one day off, and then they've got the Wolves on Wednesday. So that's going to be a tough one, too. Remember, the Wolves are a really good team on the glass. The Lakers not been good at protecting that. So we'll see what happens there in that one. But that's what's coming up next. The Lakers do have a road trip as well. We'll see what they can do out on the road. Everybody make sure you are subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications and also follow the LakersNation.com podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating, a review, five stars preferably. We certainly appreciate those. And then even on Spotify, wherever it is, give us that review. We certainly appreciate it. Till next time, everybody. Have a great night. See ya and stay safe.